Like you said, is your depression coming from your thoughts of the past, which is going to probably stem from a memory part of the brain? Or is it because of you have anxiety of the future, so now you're depressed? I've been working, told them, please don't hit my phone. I'm in my zone, bro, just leave me alone. Was on the road, but I swear I'm coming home. Now the drinks on me, I think we need a toast. See, I did it for me. Now my old friends calling, told them nothing's for free. Told me time is money, dog, swear I paid on my fees. I was starving for this day, now my fan, they can't eat. Welcome everybody to the Cup of Nurses podcast on this Cup of News episode with your hosts, myself, Peter, and also my buddy, Matt Slotrick. Uh For those of you that know, don't know, the Cup of Nurses shop is live and it's cupofnurses.shop. We have some cool nursing gear there. Uh, we're still going to have some nursing products and then some more Cup of Nurses themed merch, you could say. Um, don't forget to also check out cupofnurses.com. We keep all our show notes there. Literally, all our videos, all our blogs. Uh, make sure you check out frontline, wearefrontlinewarriors.com as well. That's more of like a lifestyle, wellness, mindfulness blog. I'm sure you guys have heard us mention it before. And that also has a shop, wearefrontlinewarriors.shop as well. Some cool mindfulness gear, like stuff that Matt has on right now, right now for the RNs. And I got Just Be because in life, you just have to be sometimes. Another cool episode, guys, coming up. But first, what's up, Matt? Doing pretty good, man. Thank you for the awesome intro. Yeah. Killing it, like always, because we never pre record these, these are always fresh every single episode and we're actually chilling in austin texas right now so we finally settled in for our travel nursing gig which we actually start this upcoming monday it's the weekend we're recording and we'll see what this time here has to bring to us we're going to definitely take a perspective on travel nursing give you guys an episode once the time is right probably after a first week of orientation yeah most like and it's cool because we've experienced like midwest nursing then we've experienced like west coast nursing now we're going to be doing like Southern nursing, right? Exactly. Cool. And that's why we have such a great perspective and are able to educate nurses through the podcast. Right. But anyways, in today's episode, we'd like to talk about a new study, first of its kind, which is a brain implant that relieved treatment resistant depression. Mm. World of uh, first world, first world using deep brain stimulation. So definitely this is revolutionary because we hear of pain stimulators and you're actually able to relieve pain from kind of creating a vibration in your nervous system and this is actually able to create a stimulation and prevent you from experiencing that experience in the loop circuit that you're having where your depression is and preventing symptoms from happening so it's not a huge study it's only n equals one so this is only one person that made it uh, these researchers have to get into now more people and see if they can replicate these facts right. or this research, I, just, I should say. And then once we have this research, now we could see if it works on other people, whether that same loop circuit that's causing depression, will it be in other uh, patients in the same point? Can mm -hmm. we, you know, have this new device to treat depression? Interesting. Yeah, it's really cool how we move forward with these like implantable technologies. Uh, it's cool to like look at, like check out how the pacemaker has evolved, right? Pacemakers back in the day first started with like a vest where they put on and it literally shocked you or you would have like electrodes on your body and then slowly it became into like a pacemaker and the device gets smaller and smaller and is able to do more and more. That's kind of what we're seeing with like these these brain stimulation uh, gadgets or implants that, that, Matt's, that, Matt, Matt, that Matt is mentioning and it's going to be very interesting on how they evolve because right now we don't have any kind of brain implantable thing. I know there's... Um, something for epilepsy 
where they do kind of implant like certain wires in your brain, but those wires usually stick out and they and they then they're located somewhere else on your body as like a little battery powered thing. But this is like a like a whole different whole different treatment and, and device. And plus, this treats depression. And when you could fi- when you have find someone when you have someone that could treat depression, that's very beneficial because I'm not sure if you guys know a lot of like these medicines for these psych issues like depression, anxiety, uh, bipolar, any of those those issues with your with your psychology, those are very hard to treat. And medicine only treats like 50%. It's like 50-50. Like when we did our placebo, when we did our placebo episode, uh, we mentioned this, that that sometimes medicine is, is hard to prove that it works because it has a 50-50 chance. So how do you know if the medication medication is actually working? How do you know that the approach that you're taking is working? And this is another this is a different approach where it's you can say it's more targeted, but you also have to have a lot of research back in it because you have to figure out what part of the brain do you need to increase stimulation or decrease stimulation compared to medication where you just in, inject it or sorry, ingest it and it crosses the blood brain barrier and it works systemically. But that of course results in, you could say widespread effects. So this is actually really interesting. I'm really curious on what's gonna happen with this. Like Elon right. Musk is working on something similar to this as well. You make a very good point because with depression, you're trying to restore those neurochemical imbalances, right? We're chemically trying to solve this person's depression. And what happens is, yes, we help balance another chemical, but another chemical that might affect the freaking the penis and I have erectile dysfunction, which we did an episode about these, these men can't get hard and perform in bed because they're taking antidepressants. Right. So it's wild how that happens. So hopefully more targeted medicine helps prevent those things from happening. Yeah. And this is a really good approach because before this, we had that... Uh, like the shock therapy, the uh, like electroconvulsive therapy, where they would attach like little electrodes to your brain and give you these these little shocks under anesthesia or under some kind of a sedative medication, and it will literally zap certain areas of your brain to get rid of a certain thought pattern or certain things with anxiety, depression, schizophrenia. Because I remember when I was a clinical, it was my psych clinical. And that was probably my, one of my hardest clinicals was a psych one because it was always really hard for me to communicate um, to like people with different like psychoactive or psychological issues. It's, it, it was hard, but it was, it was pretty interesting. Don't get me wrong, man. It's mm. scary and it's way different right. from taking care of a regular patient. Yeah, because like when I think about it, you and I, even though we're different, we have different experiences, we kind of have similar ideas that go through our heads, you, you could say. Same with your coworkers and your peers. You could kind of almost think in a way that they, that they think. But people that have these, these psychological issues like schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, it's, it's hard to be on the same wavelength as them because right. their thoughts, it's hard to relate to those kind of thoughts because they think differently. And as a nurse, like I don't walk into a room and I don't think about, I gotta always have my back towards the door because mm-hmm. this patient might freaking entrap me and something might happen right giving meds you know we don't think about that it's yeah. it's so, totally different nursing right yeah so back to the electroconvulsive therapy i had one of my patients for that that clinical rotation or that day he actually went through electroconvulsive therapy i'm not sure how often it was i think it was like a few times a week and like i would talk to him about it because i was kind of curious and he says he doesn't really feel a thing he just shows up they attach a bunch of things to to his like head you could say and you kind of um, they gave him some like medication to help him relax, and then he just gets gets this done. And he says that he's still not sure if it's working or not because it was it was still in the beginning phases. Like for him, he was beginning a treatment, so I think we went to like two or three treatments. But it doesn't hurt or anything. It was really interesting how, how that works, and they do have some some positive effects with that. So this is 
that's like the initial phase. Before you could implant device in someone's brain, you have to first implant something outside their body. So this was kind of like the, the one of the beginning steps to lead to these these breakthroughs where they have these implantable brain chips, you could say. Exactly. So these researchers from the University of Cali in San Francisco Health, so they successfully did this. And they were targeting the specific brain circuit involved in depression, which is a brain pattern. They're just trying to reset that circuit. It's like electrical system gone wrong. And it's almost like a computer reset, if you mm. think about it that way. So a brain, deep brain stimulation is a promising treatment for a lot of these neuropsychiatric conditions like the major depressive depression where you have a natural grief and that's okay. You, you know, someone died, something bad happening, but these are people that can't get over that grief and it's unnatural for them to continue living through this experience that, you know, cause a depression. Right. So what happens during uh, DBS is they identify that neurobiomarker and they trigger selective therapy to change that neurobiomarker. And that's basically changing the activity of the brain that indicates that symptom that keeps reoccurring. Mm -hmm. uh, the way they did this approach, it's multi-day, and they track the intracranial electrophysiology and focal electrical stimulation. And this is how they identify the symptom-specific biomarker to know where treatment should be done. Mm -hmm. So it's fascinating because this person had depression in one part of the brain that was having this neurobiomarker feedback loop. Mm -hmm. So it's wild how that just one piece of the brain dictates your whole entire life and is putting a mood on your life. Mm -hmm. That's that's mind blowing to me. It's very mind blowing. I watched a video on this and what I found really interesting is that people, even though they have depression, that depression stems from different parts of the brain. So when they, when they do this, it's not just like figuring out where one person is area of depression is and then kind of doing the same recreation to other people's brains. It's literally more individualized and targeted because people might be suffering from depression, the same similar symptoms, but they're going through depression a different way because it affects a different part of their brain. And this is literally targeted to that specific area of that person's brain, yeah. right? And now the question is, is if you have depression from somebody passing away or from a financial crisis mm -hmm. or your ex-girlfriend broke up with you, I wonder if that affects different parts of the brain mm. because it's a different environmental depression that's, right. that you're taking on almost. 100%. Because even though you have a subclass of depression, like you said, is your depression coming from your thoughts of the past, which is going to probably stem from a memory part of the brain? Or is it because of you have anxiety of the future, so now you're depressed, and, that's, and the thought process of in the future is also a different area of your, of your brain. Yeah. So that's crazy. So they probably have to speak to them for a little bit to figure out what's making them depressed, right? And that's going to kind of, that probably what told them that, hey, there's one depression, one label for depression, but it stems from different parts of the brain because people experience depression differently. Yeah. So it's probably a therapy where, where it's not black and white, it's, it's more like they have to talk to you, figure out where your depression is coming from, what's causing this depression, and then retracing those de depressive thought and that de depressive thought process onto what thought processes that brain handles, that part of the brain handles, yeah. right? That's crazy. Because you know how, how like, the frontal lobes for person, personality, parietals for like, I think memory or something. So that's probably why it's sent from different places. So that's interesting to yeah, also so, think about. So as these studies are gonna evolve, we'll, we'll see if that actually is conclusive mm -hmm. to what yeah. we're saying. So we're basically scientists right now trying yeah. to, there's gonna be a lot of variables for them to test. Right, compared to like the typical pharmacological approach where you take a medication and it has systemic effects where it affects your whole brain. 
this is just affecting that one little area of depression. Yeah. Damn. Hmm. So let's talk about this patient now. So we'll call him Steve, just so we know what's going on with Steve. Stevie G? Yeah, Stevie G here is going to have an implanted chronic deep brain sensing stimulation device that's going to be implant implanted, which is going to create a biomarker-driven closed-loop therapy in that individual with depression. Mm -hmm. So this closed-loop therapy results in a rapid and sustaining in, uh, improvement in depression. Uh, basically, this patient had his symptoms alleviated, and they were gone almost immediately and lasted over 15 months when they had this uh, stimulator implanted in the patient. Mm -hmm. Damn, that's wild, because it, if it's in your brain, it's not releasing like impulses or deactivating stuff all the time. It's probably just, you said it's a closed-up system, right? So it has to get activated, I believe, right? So it so, has to be triggered, and then that trigger causes a response, right? Yeah, so if you, if you think about it, everything in life is energy and frequency. Mm -hmm. So if they mapped the you know, electrophysiology, they took the, the focal stimulation, and they figured out what that neurobiomarker is probably creating a specific frequency. Like, let's just say it's 417 hertz. Mm -hmm. So I guess what my theory here is that device has a hertz programmed every single time that depression hertz is being stimulated the device is countering it with a different frequency or same frequency and maybe it's creating a different message like hey you're not sad you're happy mm -hmm. that's that's the way i see it yeah damn interesting so now i'm like looking towards the future if they could flip one thought from causing you to be upset to that same thought causing you to be happy yeah, that's like going down any an avenue of like mind control. Yeah, you know? it's scary what can happen and the whole Neuralink and everything. But this this device right here just makes me really think about that. It really all does stem down to frequency, you know. And you ha you know how like fear is a low frequency and love is a high frequency and anything in between is whatever it is. Mm. So what if we could have specific frequencies to treat different types of depression, wherever it's on a level? But also, like, my thought process here is that everything is energy. And you can change yourself. You can change anything about yourself. You just have to change your frequency. And I think the best way to do it is, you know, we could argue that depression is genetic. I'm sure there are some parts, right? But it's also very environmental. So I think if you change your environment, that's, like, the biggest ah moment to change your frequency and hopefully change the symptoms that's causing the depression. 100%. Because how many people get get over depression, anxiety, any other kind of mental ail ailments, you could say, just with talking, right? That, that talking about issues and how your th thought processes, that's been shown to be just as beneficial as like the pharmacological approach. Yeah. It's just that it's a lot harder to do. And of course, there are mental illnesses where it doesn't allow you to have that. And, uh, and of course, that's why we need to bring like these pharmaceuticals and other other things to help treat those things because not everybody could comprehend the fact that hey i'm just helping you try to get through this some people don't have the brain capacity to to understand that and and that's a risk factor like mm -hmm. having low self-esteem or low self-confidence and they can't overcome those things right. yeah i thought mm -hmm. genetic i thought depression is very genetic but i'm realizing more and more it's just really your state of mind yeah 100%. And, and i'm generalizing it but i really do think it comes down to that yeah 100 percent. especially like after we went to see that chiropractor in in chicago like that guy had probably the craziest life i probably ever heard and if that guy's not, not depressed or 
not suicidal or not in, in, in like a negative state of mind, they, then I think anybody could overcome anything. Yeah. And if you look at the medical field, I feel like it treats everything 3D, three-dimensional, which is just our body as this organ. But, but if you take, if you strip everything away, no matter how you're feeling and all this meditation stuff, it helps create that barrier between your emotions and what you're going to say, what you're going to think. And in between that is space. So if you take everything away from you as a three-dimensional person, there's something still there that's conscious, right? And I feel like if you look in the four-dimensional space, you are anything you want to be. So like we're going to get, in, getting into, uh, get into NLP. That's, I feel like, what NLP does. It helps you on like demask all those layers from your subconscious from your body that maybe is creating depression and tap into who you really are and there's that infinite space that you can change uh whatever yeah you know i get off on these topics that yeah. spiritual life hashtag <laughs> but yeah so neuro-linguistic programming nlp uh, so this is a method of changing your thought process and ultimately changing how you feel uh, this could be applied to depression, of course, consult with your primary doctor. Uh, but there's also NLP coaches, and they do th this programming. Uh, it's like a mixture of, we, we kind of establish like CPT, right? Cognitive Behavioral Therapy and the Neuro Linguistic Programming, where you can change things around and, and change your state of mind. Mm. Uh, so we're going to go into NLP. Yeah, NLP is pretty, pretty interesting. This is one of those things where... It, where it's not like a pill or an implant or, or like some kind of substance that you're, that you're taking. It's more of like that speech that we talked about that helps people get past depression, helps people get past certain, certain issues, anxieties, and, and all that. And this is just through, through speaking and through thought process, through, through inner work, not something outside. Because the majority of, of the issues that we have with ourselves or with other people, it's something that, that we could solve by ourselves. You don't really have to take like an like a medication for it, you just have to really, really try and actually like devote time and practice into, into changing yourself. Yeah, it's, it's like you're learning. It's a harder approach, but it's a more sustaining, you could say. Yeah, it's not that easy fix. Mm -hmm. It's not taking the pill and changing your chemicals. It's trying to figure out how are my chemicals being changed by my thoughts, by my language, and by my, by my behavior. And once I tap into that and change my behavior, it's creating a different emotion or different thought which is therefore going to trigger a different chemical in your brain that makes you feel different. Yeah, exactly. So you changing your outcome. Right. Yeah. So it's my understanding that neuro linguistic uh, pro programming it's basically looking at at how certain people approached a problem or how they approached their goals or whatever they want to be in life, and basically almost like recreating that, but for your for yourself. So I know a lot of. You, read, you saw the video about like an NLP coach, right? Yeah. Do you want to explain a little bit? Uh, how they kind of go through the process. Yeah. So literally they're trying to reprogram your nervous system through the use of language. Uh, so they have different modalities. Let's see. So they use a technique called, it's, it's four steps. So it's anchoring. So it's basically turning that sensory experience into triggers for certain emotional states. And I think the best way to... I always love to talk about dating because it's just so simple and everybody has experienced it. So let's just say you're trying to get coached because you have like approach anxiety. You're, you have anxiety of the future of whatever that feeling might be. Maybe you're telling yourself you're not good enough or maybe you're telling yourself I fear rejection. Where is that stemming from? 
But whatever the case might be, every single time you're in that environment, it's creating that thought, which is creating the language of your body and you're looking nervous and you're being fearful. But you, you are not your thoughts. So what they do is then they develop report. And this NLP coach or practitioner tunes into the person by matching their physical behaviors to improve communication and responses through therapy. So they could be taking you through like a guided uh, meditation, almost like a hypnosis, and they're putting you in the place of you being in the dating scene, trying to approach this girl or guy, whatever the case might be. And he's acknowledging your emotions, but that's he's telling you it's not your emotions. Maybe he coached you and he knows it came from you know, past childhood trauma, and this is the reason why this is happening. And then he uses something called the swish pattern, which changes the pattern of the behavior or thought to come to a desired outcome instead, instead of the undesired outcome. So he's saying, you know, in that, in that um, environment, you know, you have a report, you know how you feel, but now this is not how you should be feeling because everything is okay. It's okay if you get rejected because you know who you are as a person or if it's making money, it's okay if, you know, I'm broke, I will accomplish that. You have to create that belief in yourself. And if you do that, then you go in through, the, it's called VKD, visual kinesthetic dissociation. So that's basically trying to remove that negative thought and feeling from that past event. Mm -hmm. Whatever technique they use, I'm not sure whether it's maybe affirmations or journaling or going 150 times in the bar till you tell yourself it's really okay. It's just like butterflies, right? If you're scared of butterflies, you have to keep exposing yourself to that uh, stimulation, that butterfly little by little before it becomes just a butterfly to not a fear from childhood. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, so NLP, NLP is pretty cool because it's like almost a broad way of, of solving something because you're basically saying that, hey, these steps have, have worked for these people, we're going to try to recreate these steps, but in your given situation. So it's like taking something broad and basically trying to blueprint, see if it works. If it doesn't, you kind of go on to the next blueprint and so, so on and so forth. So it might be like a little bit of a, a, a timely process, but that's just how, how it is. That's just how everything is. Even like cognitive behavior therapy, that, that's, that takes time too. It's not just like you show up a few times for a few meetings and then you get over it. This, this is the same, same thing. It all takes time and it's just like, laying a blueprint, seeing if it works. If it doesn't, move on to the next, next blueprint and the next, next pattern and see if that one works. Yeah, this person literally is mapping. Did you mention that? Like mapping the territory, which they call the map of your mind, the framework, which is literally like there's logical ways to think. Of, I think they have a theory called the natural hierarchy of learning and communication. And it basically gets broken down into environment, capabilities, beliefs, identity, purpose. And it goes higher and higher. So... This person is trying to identify where is, what is the problem in the environment, whether it's, you know, you're scared to approach a girl, go to the gym, uh, you're scared to take a risk or break your comfort zone or go travel nursing, insert whatever it is, that's the environment. And then you're trying to figure out what's the belief that you have about that. Why are you telling yourself you can't do that? And then they're trying, they know that the hierarchy of logic goes higher. So if you're stuck in your behavior, they know that you have to tap into beliefs and values and change that in you to change the way you're talking to yourself because it's ultimately language that they're changing. Right. Yeah, it's, it's super interesting how they use like these different psychological approaches because there's like so many of them and, and it just like some of them work for certain people, some of them, some of them don't. And it's, I'm always curious on like how does this work for, for this person but how, somehow it didn't work for that person. 
as psychology is like, it's almost going to be like a never ending, ending journey. It's like a never ending problem because there's just so much solutions. Every time a new person is brought into to this world, they think differently. So, you know, the way that you solve your problem might help a few other people solve their problem, but it might not help the third person or fourth person, but it might help the fifth and the sixth. It's just, we have different thinking patterns and we have different solutions to our problems. And it's just awesome how there's like this wide range of just like therapies that just use speech and speaking and communication. To try to change that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe not, maybe it's not gonna work for you. You have to go do a device like we talked about, but this is the interesting thing because you can change something on a three-dimensional level like getting a stimulation and closing the neurobiomarker from you not getting depression. But if you still feel the same way, you never taught your, change your beliefs and values, like how does that play? Like, so if you treat depression by like this or yourself, you're changing the way you feel and you do different things. It's almost like you change genetics. Yes, exactly. But that person that got the device never changed who they are on that thought four dimensional level, just they changed the chemical. So are they gonna still continue living their life that same way? Or does that neurochemical change everything about them? Like, right. Cause it's, cause you know, you are who you are and then there's the body. So you created the change in the body, but what does the, the mind do now? Right, or what other changes did, did that change cause? Like, you know how in The Simpsons, they go back in time and then I think Bar or somebody or, or Homer steps on a bug and then it changes history. Like, imagine if that, that that's your brain. So, like, if then this device is changing this, this one thought, what if it's changing other thoughts as well, but I'm not able to realize that I changed your thoughts because it's automatically doing it. Wow. Right? That, that gets creepy into the yeah. mind control thing that yeah. you mentioned. It's like, what now? Yeah, or even, like, if you think, like, the next generations, like, imagine if if you conquering this fear of butterflies changes your genetics and then your child or let's say your child's child now never is going to have a fear of butterflies compared to if you implant something that doesn't change your genetics, it just changes your brain's response, then technically that fear of butterflies could forever get passed down generation to generation, you know? And always having that yeah. fear like or it, no fear? That fear because okay. you're just turning it off as I a reaction, not genetically. Right. Compared to why, compared to you changing yourself, that's almost like a genetical change because it wasn't influenced by, excuse me, by anything external. It's almost like you changing your genes. But if you're just changing a response by what your genes do, that gene is forever going to be still in you. Yeah. You know, that's so deep. it might affect your, your next generations. That's deep in the sauce. Yeah. Or it keeps, keeps getting worse and worse because you're never, not really solving the, the problem. You're just solving the reaction. So the problem gets built up, gets built, built up and then Maybe, you know, the chip won't work anymore on certain people. Mind-blowing mind blowing research, man. Mind-blowing thoughts, great conversation. And it just differs the question, man. How deep do we go into all these different modalities that we could do now in this 21st century? Or really, we just have to learn how to take control of ourselves and dive deep into everything and understand just so we don't take the, the fast approach for everything that we do in life. Mm-hmm. And it's just a Band-Aid. Right. I thank you everyone for tuning in. I make sure you guys check out our YouTube channel, Couple Nurses. Make sure you guys check out CoupleNurses.com, CoupleNurses.shop. We are FrontlineWarriors.com. We are FrontlineWarriors.shop. Everything all above. See you guys next week. Peace out. Peace.